And what we tell the souls in Jerusalem about our virtue, that we are beautiful. So that said, we have to say that we're beautiful on two counts. Not only are we beautiful because we have a greater yearning for Hashem because of the darkness of this world, because I am dark, because I'm missing light, but also must be beautiful in our reverence for Hashem. And the question is, it seems that there's a lot of a more heightened awareness of Hashem's presence in the higher worlds, in incomparably greater than we could possibly imagine. So how can we say that we're greater in regards to having reverence for Hashem, in regards to, to, to reverence? So, so we began actually going to, to answer this question, we went to an opposite direction. We said, reverence is something which requires a greater effort than love, because love is about how you feel for someone. So you, if you understand how good they are, you can love them. So you feel how great they are, you can love them. But in order to feel reverence, in order to, ab, to, to have a sense of abnegation of yourself, or, or to, uh, to, to have vital, to, that you're not going to focus on you, but, you're, but you belong to someone, you belong to Ibishtha, you're going to do something which is, which is running against the grain, going, going against your natural sense of self. So it would seem that uh, only in a place where it's possible to have such a feeling of, of Hashem's presence is, is this, is this, um, is this uh, it, it would seem that this world is far, far lower than the higher worlds in that regard. However, the Rebbe says that there's something that we have that the higher worlds don't have. Something incredible. Although our reverence for Hashem comes to a great effort, yet that's true. But that's not why we're greater than the, the, what we have an advantage over them. We actually have an advantage of, of our awareness is greater than their awareness. Mm. Not just, it would seem that because to achieve a, a feeling of reverence for Hashem, you have to feel Hashem's presence. And to feel Hashem's presence, you have to work hard. So we can't achieve what they could achieve. But Rebbe says it's something we could achieve that, that far surpasses anything they could achieve. Why? In Hasidus, we learned there's two concepts. There's Kula Kamek Klachshiv and Zeneg. Kula Kamek Klachshiv means... Everything before Hashem is like not. It's negligible. It's insignificant. So compared to uh, the divine source of an angel, the angel feels insignificant. The angel feels how this, how he is being animated by Hashem's energy from the spirit of Malchus. And all he is is, 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 is from Malchus. And he feels how, how, how his divine source is incomparable to Hashem's essence. How, Hashem, he's, he's, he, how he is nothing compared to Hashem's essence. But... The word nothing is actually the wrong word. He feels he's negligible. But he's also godly. He's also holy. He's also a holy being. As we say in Davening, Holy beings praise you every day. The angels and souls, they praise you. They're holy. So they don't feel that there's nothing besides Hashem. They feel they're, they're negligible. However, we in this world have an advantage. What do we have? What's our advantage? Our advantage has been the heads of Chazanishtase. We have this dramatic experience that we feel it's not the way it is, it's not the way it seems. That we suddenly are able to realize that all the things we're involved in, everything that's going on, is Nishtase. There's nothing besides Hashem. We could feel that this is all not real, and all there is is Him. In other words, in higher worlds, they feel negligible, but they still feel they're, they're, still, they're angelic, they're soul, they're holy, they're part of the experience. They're not, they're not contrary to Hashem's truth. But we, we feel ourselves to be a something. We feel that we're here. We feel that I am. And to suddenly experience divine providence. To suddenly to see, Hashem's, to see Hashem in a vivid way. And, 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 and then you're like, whoa, this is, 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 this, this is all, this all above my sense. It's all, it's all, it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's a sheker. It's a sheker gomer. Language of Chassidus, 
The fact that the world appears to be a something is an absolute lie. It's an absolute lie. So that kind of a dramatic experience, it's an absolute lie. All that we're seeing and hearing is a lie. The world's lying to us. The world says, I am. And the truth is that, nothing besides Hashem. That dramatic, their hair. I'm thinking about um, a friend of mine who is in a car accident, and survived the car accident. And suddenly he made this, all these dramatic changes in his life. Why do you make these dramatic changes in life? He felt it's not the way it is. It's not the way it is. It's, it's, it, things look like they were a certain way. It's not the way it is. That's what we have in this world. We can feel there's nothing besides Hashem. Okay. Um, there is a significant amount of mimer to do. Let's try to do it inside. Yeah? Let's go. Dalit? Dalit. Just like in the bond that we have with Hashem, there is an advantage in the soul being here. In other words, we said the three things the Zohar says are bound with each other, the Jewish people, the Torah, and Hashem. But just like in the bond between the Jewish people and Hashem, there is a heightened connection, a deeper connection that's achieved here when we're in a state of connection only, not the Vekos. We have an advantage here. So to regard to the connection of Torah with Hashem, there's, a, there's an advantage that Torah has in this world that surpasses Torah in the higher world. Why? Although the Torah is the wisdom and the will of Hashem, however, compared to where, compared to its source, when it comes down to this world, it's only like a... Uh, a derivative, a fallen leaf, so to speak, from where it was before. It's only like something which has fallen from its original source, compared to Hashem's wisdom. That's what the Medish means when it says, Medish says, the, uh, the, the, I don't remember the better words, so I'm going to use the word fallen leaf, but it means something which has fallen from something else. The fallen leaves of death are sleep. The fallen leaves of prophecy are dreams. The fallen leaves of the world to come are, is Shabbos. The fallen leaves of the light of heaven is the sun. The fallen leaves of the wisdom of Hashem is the Torah. It's something, again, it's the wrong word. It's, not the, it's something which has fallen from something. The word leaf is my... Uh, as my Irish guy, but it, it, it's not the words of the Medish. Some what is, we could say the the the, the fear that we have is something which is derived from the wisdom of Hashem, but it's it's not the same as it is in the source. Behind it, what that means is because the Torah, as we have it, is vested in human in human mind, in things in this world. In lies, we learn in the Torah all about lies. Two people are holding on to a talus. One says it's mine, one says it's mine. If one of them is lying, so we're talking about lies. It's even possible to learn Torah and forget about the giver of the Torah. Not only can you forget about the giver of the Torah, but far, far worse than that. It's possible the Torah could be the opposite of an a elixir of life. The Talmud says the Torah could either be an elixir of life or it could be a poison. That means a person going to Torah and the Torah could contribute to their arrogance. It could, it could contribute to their being um, arrogant. And arrogance is something that, said, that Hashem says, I can't be around this person. I can't be around someone who is arrogant. So instead of the Torah being, a, being an elixir of life, the Torah could be, God forbid, a, uh, a poison. 
And that's all because the Torah, as it is in this world, is an entity. It's not felt in this world. The Torah is really not an entity. All the Torah really is, even in this world, is the wisdom, the will of Hashem. When we say that Torah becomes a thing, not just referring to the section of Torah, which is called the exo, the exo, the exoteric part of Torah, the revealed parts of Torah, but even the parts of Torah which are hidden, like for example, the uh, all the laws of the Gemara uh, are also discussed in Ganeid, and they have a spiritual parallel. But what's a spiritual parallel? The laws, let's say, of switching a, a donkey for a bull and the baby is born in the middle, there is a, a, a spiritual parallel of what that means in Ganeidin. That has a translation in Ganeidin. But that's still a thing. Ganeidin is also a thing. That means that when we talk about the Torah's descent and the problem with the Torah's descent, and the Torah becoming a thing and being involved in all kinds of lies, whatever. So the issue doesn't begin in this world. The issue begins after the tzimtzum. Before, before there was a tzimtzum, there was no room for the world to exist. All there was was a revelation of Hashem's infinite light. The tzimtzum, only after Hashem hid His infinite light through the tzimtzum, did there become a place for the world to possibly exist. The world, now because Hashem hid His light, there could be this experience of feeling other, not godly. And that is what the, where the Torah um, discusses the things of this world, and the Torah discusses things in the higher worlds. But still, the Torah is still a thing. The Torah is discussing things. The Torah exists after the tzimtzum, and after the tzimtzum, the Torah is, is, is in, in a realm where there, where there, it is a, it is a thing that's not um, only the wisdom and will of Hashem. There's now, there's now a, a discussion of the world, discussion of Ganeidin. It's mitzias. There's a thing. Since the first Simpson, unlike the subsequent Simpson, was done in a way where there was a total removal of light, the entire light was hidden. So you cannot say with the Torah, as it is post Simpson, that it's in a state of oneness with Hashem, that it's in a state of Dveikos. Kim. The word to use to describe the Torah as it is post-Simpson is attached to Hashem. How much more so the way the Torah is in this world? Certainly the way the Torah is in this world, discussing lies and everything, certainly you cannot talk about Torah in this world as being a state of dveikos, of, of oneness, of cleaving to its source. Rather, Torah is an entity and it's attached to its source. And although the Talmud says that the words of Torah can never become can never become impure, that means it's that indicates that the Torah isn't changed. So how does that fit with what we're saying? The Torah has become a thing. Torah has become an entity. It says in the Talmud, the words of Torah cannot become impure, which seems to say that the, the Torah is not a separate entity. That that only means that Torah is not in a state of slapshus. What is a slapshus? Okay, let me just give it some, some uh, roadmap of where we're going. On the one hand, we're saying Torah is 
after the tzimtzum. That means it's a separate entity. The Talmud seems to suggest the opposite. Torah says, Talmud says Torah cannot become impure. So, but that's not where we're going. Where we're, going we're going to discuss the advantage that Torah in this world has over the, over the Torah in heaven. Torah as it is before the tzimtzum. We'll discuss that, that there's something better about that. But we're going to a little bit of a roller coaster. First, we're going to discuss the the disadvantage of Torah in this world, and then we'll discover the advantage of. It. But it seems the Talmud that there's no disadvantage. The Torah is uh, is that that can't become impure. There's a difference between Torah and prayer. Pray in prayer. You're meditating about the way Hashem Hashem's light animates the worlds. You're thinking about Hashem's connection to you and to the world. You're talking about the godly light that animates and creates everything in creation. That's what cre- that, that prayer is about. In prayer we talk about creation. And you're supposed to think about Hashem creating the world in a way that you get it. In a way it makes sense to you. However, Torah is, does not have the same kind of... Torah does not become vested in the world. Doesn't become vested in the person and things of this world. Torah remains, Torah remains pure. Al derech zayefish material mitzvahs. This is similar to the difference between Torah and mitzvahs. Shemitzvahs tapshut from gashim da mamish. Mitzvahs are literally vested in physical things. Ashenkin that Torah ain't no vested on gashim. Torah is not vested and changed by physical things. Well, one second. Torah. When you say Torah talks about lies. But the Beres this. Torah talks about things in this world. It doesn't become she'ain zeb derechus lapshus. El abderech makafovat. Lochin ain't a Torah dibetim kamutu meach. Mukom kam kim Torah sapshim. Mukom mukom kam abinim abinim il derech makafakapon. Mukhin l'shavas alashin vekas kuskashovat. Just for a second, what's kashos? What what's islapshus and what's magir? How do you spell that word? H i s l a b s h u s, which means to dress. Islapshus. So, so we learned in a previous uh, discourse a few weeks ago about the Beis Hamikdash, that the Beis Hamikdash is a place where Hashem's presence is revealed. But there's a discussion how that works. One way of explaining this is is the same way that the ideas go from your mind to your hands. Your hands are now able. I told you how to spell Islapshus. It's now gone from your mind into that typewriter, right? You can type that up now. Actually, yes. I didn't write but go ahead. H I S L A B S U A H U S. So it's Lapshus, that's how I would spell it, whatever, but then the Webster doesn't have it yet. So <laughs> so so um it means that the the um item which is dressing in whatever it's dressing in is assimilating with it. There's some kind of uh, not a, even it's more than osmosis, there's some kind of of connection between these two things. So, for example, in the transfer of ideas from your mind to your hands, that just passes through your hands. Your hands aren't understanding the idea. They're just, it's just passing through them. However, in the neshama, as it comes into your physical brain, the neshama's understanding has now been altered to your brain. Now, your neshama now understands physical things. Before the neshama was in your brain, the neshama only understood spiritual things. Now, the light of the neshama... Chassidus uses this word. A keli, a vessel, hides the inner light and reveals the external light. Your brain hides something that Hashem's higher light, the ability to understand spiritual things, but now it can understand physical things. And Hashem has now changed. Does Torah change when it talks about lies? It says it doesn't change. In davening, 
Davin's got your experience. Davin, we can reveal to you the way you feel it. So that's that's how it affects you, how it has to do with you. In Torah, all it talks about physical things, it talks about lies. Torah is not changed by the experience. It's kind of like the way the, your, the, your ideas travel through your hands, that they travel through your hands, but they're not, uh, uh, they don't, not, they, they just, it, it, ju- it, it just passes through them. So to the words of Torah, as they discuss physical things, it doesn't make the words of Torah um, impure. However, the very fact that Torah is discussing something of the physical world, even though it's makif, even though it's just passing through it, it still indicates a that it's not in a state of oneness with Hashem. Yes, it's pure, yes, it's holy, but the fact that it's talking about existence means that it's not anymore in a state of absolute oneness with Hashem. It's not, it's in a state of connection to Hashem, not in a state of bigness. Omnam However, specifically by the Torah's descent to this world, by the Torah achieving this state of connection, the Torah has in it a new quality, a new element, or the quality, if you will, it has in it the essence of Hashem. Just like we said before about souls, that specifically when Neshama comes in this world, the Neshama experiences a connection to the essence of Hashem. And this is specifically... Achieved by the Torah being given to the Jewish people. As the Zohar says, there are three things connected to each other. There's the Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem. At first, there's a connection of the Jewish people with Hashem, the essence of Hashem. And by the coming to this world, they achieve a connection to their essence, Hashem's essence, through the Torah. And through this, by them connecting to Hashem in a deeper way, the essence of Hashem, in this world, as we discussed earlier, that there's greater yearning for Hashem in this world, and we feel the truth of Hashem, how there's nothing besides Him in this world, through this, we add light to Torah. The Talmud says, when a person begins to study Torah, he, he studies Torah for themselves. Uh, and then, they are able to achieve a higher level of Torah study for the sake of, of Hashem. What's the word you, use, you like to use? Vivifies. Yeah. You know, the Torah vivifies us. And that it does not become impure. And we bond to it. Um, the, the Torah purifies us. And that's the purpose of studying Torah before davening. Mm-hmm. It's to meditate about Hashem's truth. And through this it accomplishes, the Torah accomplishes, by studying Torah before davening, that our davening should allow us to connect to Hashem, connect to Hashem's essence. And then there's Torah study after davening. That's not studying Torah for our own sake, to purify ourselves. Rather, the study of Torah before davening is about purifying ourselves, that we should be able to daven to Hashem, that we should be interested in davening to Hashem. Then we daven to Hashem, connect ourselves to Hashem, and then we study Torah after davening. Studying Torah after davening, the, the function of, of, the, of studying Torah after davening is, is to connect the essence of Hashem with the essence of Hashem. To connect the Torah with the essence of Hashem. That means... That by the Torah affecting a connection between us and the essence of Hashem, that also causes the Torah to be connected to the essence of Hashem. Although naturally we said the Torah becomes a thing after the Tzimtzum, but because the Torah contributes to our bond of our essence with Hashem, we study Torah after davening, we, we study Torah for its own sake, to just to bond with Hashem, this achieves that the Torah also reaches our level. The Torah also becomes connected to Hashem's essence. And that's the meaning of what the Zohar says. There are three things bound with each other, the Jewish people, the Torah, and Hashem. There, this is referring to the connection of the Torah and the Jewish people as they become an entity. 
that even then, even when they become a, a thing in this world, they connect with Hashem, and more, Zohar adds, that in this bond, there is a revealed layer and there's a hidden layer. That means that the connection is not just in the revealed parts of us, in, in, meaning in our intellect and our feelings, and the revealed parts of the Torah, or in the way Hashem's light is manifest in creation, but rather the connection is also deeper in the inside, in the innermost part of the souls of the Jewish people, in the innermost part of Torah, and the innermost part of Galins, in the most light of Hashem. And this is the advantage that we achieve specifically through the Torah in this world. That only through the Torah in this world do we have a connection to Hashem's essence. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk that we began the Mimer with. We said at the beginning of the Mimer that Hashem says to us, if you listen to these mitzvahs, then I will keep the covenant that I promised your forefathers, then I will give you the kindness. We asked before that a covenant is something when two people make an agreement that they will always love each other no matter what. They'll still love each other even if something happens not the way it's supposed to be. And also kindness is also about giving to someone who doesn't deserve as opposed to Gvura. Gvura, right, means to judge another person. Chesed means to give to someone who doesn't deserve. But the true meaning of kindness, chesed, the kshayt. Chesed, the Gemara uses the term kindness of truth. Kindness of truth uh, is chesed of atik. It's a kindness of of, of this of atik, of atik amen. At the level of atik, the Torah, the Talmud, the Zohar says, there's no left in atik, which means that the kindness that, that is revealed there in Atik is such a great, with such a great power, there's no room for any castigations and accusations and judgment, less small by Atika. So, so both the covenant is about ignoring any negative behavior. The kindness of Atik also is about a place where there is no room for any negativity. And also an oath, what's an oath about? You force yourself to do something, no matter if you're interested or not interested. So that means that all of these things are things that, that Hashem that, that discussed in this verse are things which there's no choice. They're beyond logic and reason. And so how do we reach this level? What do we do to reach this level which is beyond logic and reason? The Torah says, Ekev Tishmu. If you will listen. The meaning of Ekev Tishmu does not mean a condition. Rather, this is the order of the service of Hashem. That Hashem, that the, 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 these kind of lights that are beyond the entire spiritual cosmos, where do they reach? They reach specifically to the heel. What does the heel mean? That means serving Hashem beyond logic and reason. They, these kinds, these, what, where does this kind of uh, revelation reach? It reaches specifically the person who's serving Hashem in the way of a heel. Eka doesn't mean if, Eka means serving Hashem in the way of a heel. What does that mean? There are two kinds of, of of in the soul, there are two levels. There's a level of Yisrael and there's a level of Yaakov. The word Yisrael is made up of two words. Yuli Roish, I, my head. That means Yisrael is about the head of the Nisham. Yaakov is also made up of two parts. Ekev Yud. Ekev means the heel of the Nisham. So there is the higher level of the Nishama, like and there's a lower level of the Nishama. There's Yisrael and there's Yaakov. So too in time and space, there's also a heel level of time and a heel level of space. The heel of time and space is where we are now, the end of the exile, the heels of Mashiach. When we do not see your miracles, we don't know what's going on, that means at the end of the consumed godliness, before the coming of Mashiach, when God says, I will dress the heavens with darkness, and nevertheless, still, there is idea of listening. Your heel will listen, which means 
the idea of understanding. Or in more detail, as the Torah says, you will listen to the Mishpatim. What is the meaning of Mishpatim? We asked earlier, the last thing that we have a problem with would be Mishpatim. Mishpatim are the mitzvahs we understand. Why is the Torah emphasized to listen that we will pay attention to those mitzvahs? The answer is Mishpatim doesn't, just, doesn't, doesn't only mean the mitzvahs that we understand. Mishpatim only means to, also means to judge yourself. That means that person is supposed to judge himself and judge and ask and think about the purpose of why Hashem created them and what their actual behavior is, where they actually are, what actually is going on with them. It's what the ju- that's mishpat. Mishpat means judging yourself. That means to think about the source of this soul. As a soul comes from the throne of God's glory, and even higher, as we say in our davening, that the soul you have given me is pure, which means beyond the level of Bria, the soul comes from the higher level of Atzilus. And you think about where you come from. And then you think about where you are now, that, you, that you're in a, a, a level where God says about you, I dwell with you in the place of your impurity because your deeds aren't the way they're meant to be. And so to speak, you're bringing the Shekhinah into a place of impurity. As the Talmud says that when the Jewish people were exiled to Edim, the Shekhinah was with them. And so you're schlepping, you're dragging the Shekhinah and you're dragging the godly spark in your to all these little places. And so this, so, so this is where you are. This is where you come from. This is what the purpose of your creation is. And this is where you are. So once in a while, you have this inspiration, the Rebbe says, of, of tshuva shlema. You want to absolutely do tshuva. Because why do you have this inspiration? Because there's, there's a voice that comes out of heaven that says, return wayward sons. So once in a while, that voice reaches you. Your shaman gadayin hears it. And sometimes you get signals from there and you want to do tshuva. And so th- that's where you are. You're in a place, you sometimes have inspiration of tshuva, but yeah, that's where you are. So by thinking about all this, that's the idea of judgment, by judging where you are and, real- and realizing where you're up to. So even though you may be in the level of the heel, which is the level of the heel of the soul, the lowest part of the soul, and you're at the heel of the world and the heel of time, you're at the end of the exile, nevertheless, you come to, the- to be in a state of listening and guarding and doing which this, the, the, these three adjectives refer to the three garments, the thought, speech, and action. Tishmu'un means you understand Torah. That means you're using your thoughts to keep the Torah. Shmartim, guarding, refers to speaking about the Torah. As the Talmud says, Shamar Zomishnah. That means you're keeping, you're studying Torah with your mouth also. As a, and the Talmud says that Torah studies equal to all performance, all the mitzvahs combined. And Ba'asisim. And the Torah continues and says, and you will do them. That means not only are you thinking and speaking about Torah, but you're fulfilling them. So in other words, the Pasuk says, Ekev Tishmu, although you're in a state of Ekev, although you're in a state of heal, you're in the lowest state of exile. And, 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 but you have to judge and think about where you come from and where, you, where you're meant to be, where you are, and, and, and in the state that you're in, by meditating about what you're meant to do, that's supposed to motivate you to actually uh, keep the term mitzvahs in all parts of yourself, in your thoughts and speech and actions. And then the Torah says, by doing this, by being, this, despite the challenges, by, by listening to Hashem in thought, speech, and action, despite being in a state of heal, uh, in, in, in all the all different reasons we mentioned, you're only experiencing the lower part of your soul and the end of the exile when Hashem addresses the heavens with darkness so when you are despite all this 
uh, devoted to Hashem in thought, speech, and action, this brings the, the fulfillment of the verse, God will guard for you the covenant and the kindness that he swore, that all these things which are beyond the spiritual cosmos are brought down through this this kind of a devotion to Hashem and thought, speech, and action is despite the concealment and challenges. And that's a connection between this Torah portion and the seven Torah portions of comfort. There are seven, after Tishbab, Torah Shashanah, we read seven Torah portions about the coming of Mashiach until the Torah portion before Rosh Hashanah. So it says in the Talmud that the word, the first word of this Torah portion, Vahaya, means joy. So, this Torah portion is connected to the joy of the comfort of the coming of Mashiach because the word Vahoyah means to be happy. It's, it's about the comfort of the coming of Mashiach. Why is there comfort? Because even in the state of the heel, even in, in the state of where Neshama is and the time that we're in, the place that we're in, and at, 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 at the end of the exile. Nevertheless, a Jew is inspired to do tshuva. This causes the divine revelation from above then there will be this, this hamshacha, and God will guard for you the covenant and the kindness that he swore. There will be a revelation beyond the spiritual cosmos, and this will all come down by Gashmias, in the phys, as in, as in physical blessings, as the Torah continues, and God will bless your offspring and the fruit of the ground on the land that God swore to your, 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 your ancestors. So this is all achieved by, despite the concealment of Gashmias, a Jew serving Hashem beyond logic and reason, and this brings down also the divine revelation beyond the spiritual cosmos, and it comes down in a physical way and in an and, and immediate way. Kabbalah Mashiach. Chaim Lerach. Very good. Got to roll in. What? Got to roll in.